Hey everyone, welcome to Brown Breakdown. I'm your host, Apoorva Gandetti. Every episode, I get to sit down with South Asian artists of all types at all different levels of their careers to understand the tools necessary to build a life as an artist. We'll be talking about everything from turning a hobby into a career, obstacles along the way, breaking tired stereotypes, and changing the media landscape to be more inclusive. My guest today is Anirudh Penathor, also known by his stage name, The Millionaire. Consultant by day and DJ slash music producer by night, The Millionaire is as much inspired by Donald Glover as he is by Egyptian pop and Hollywood music. Formerly, The Millionaire was best known for mixing popular Bollywood songs with English songs, but he's recently expanded his library to include genres from all around the world. In his recently released TMLNR trilogy on SoundCloud, a compilation of unique remixes, Anirudh expresses his true voice as an artist who is able to bring together vastly different types of music to create something entirely new. Anirudh, The Millionaire. This is you right now. This is one of my favorites from TMLNR. Welcome to Brown What Breakdown. up, what up? Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm super excited to be on, you know? Um, I'm it's crazy. to have we were, you. We were, uh, we were show directors just two years ago for our college's Sasa Cultural Show, and now I'm on your podcast, which is wild, wild mind-blowing. I know. Can you believe it was two years ago? I can't. I... I, I I do go back to to the to the videos uh, decently often, more often than I care to admit, because it's uh, it's just pure nostalgia, man. I feel like we're complete opposites because I have literally rewatched the show videos once, <laughs> and I think I was with you. I just yes, can't do it. I do it recall. Makes me, it, it it spurs too many emotions. It's like sadness and happiness and nostalgia and anger. Sometimes I don't know. I feel the anger. Yeah, I I, I look at my own dancing and I'm like shit i should have like fixed that i should have done something different yeah like initially (laughs) when i watched the videos i was like really happy now it's just me being very critical of myself (laughs) Mm, so that's why you stick to the music and not the dancing right i would like to clarify one thing is it confirmed that i came up with the name the millionaire yes it is is a hundred percent fact no, it, it it was you. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure it was like a conversation in the reg or like at a SASA board meeting or something like that, where y- you casually were just like, oh, you know what would be a great name for your music to millionaire? And I was like, huh, actually, that's a really good name. And then I thought more about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to use that. So thank you, Porva. Thank you for being the spark. Nice. Okay. I feel like I, it's one of those things where I can't remember it and I wasn't sure if I made up the memory that I had come up with the name and you were just being nice about it where you were like, yeah, um, that sounds like a good name and it's already the name I'm using. So I wasn't sure if I just like, (laughs) you know, you know, when you just like create a memory. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, that happens when like Leonardo DiCaprio and his crew of bandits enter your brain and, you know, perform inception. Ah, yes. Okay, I wasn't following the reference for a minute there, but I should have known because I've seen that movie so many times. All props to Apoorva. So for any, anyone listening, if, if they if they need an artist name or a title for anything, really, uh, don't bother coming up with one. Just ask Apoorva and, you know, more likely than not, it'll it'll pop off. Yeah, and you one day are going to owe me a lot of royalties. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah we should file, we should write up a contract for that pretty soon. Yeah. But what could replace the royalties of friendship? Yeah, okay. I, I'll get paid in friendship. That's fine. 
<laughs> All right. And I, I'll, you know what? I'll be able to use your music for free. Okay. Deal. <laughs> I'll just, that's like ripping you off more. That's ripping you off a lot more. <laughs> so, Ani, did you ever want to be a playback singer? It's a good question. Um, it never was something that I explicitly thought about. Um, I have a, like, my family is, is of a very, like, distinguished singing background. So I have a lot of Carnatic singers in my family. Both my really? grandmas are Carnatic music teachers. And um, my older cousin and my uncle, um, like, they perform on the circuit in Chennai. What's the circuit in Chennai? Oh, the, the Carnatic music circuit. So, like, every winter uh, from around, like, December-ish to January end, um, that's when all the sort of Carnatic vocal performances happen at the Music Academy in Chennai and other kind of venues. Um, so they travel there every year and, and perform. Uh, and my, my uncle also owns, like, a like a singing academy here. So I've sort of grown up around, like, the culture of singing. Um, but I myself never, you know, considered, okay, this is something I could be good at. Um I like sang in my choir in like elementary and middle school. And then in high school, I was more of a shower singer. But really, I think what, what kickstarted everything was when I came to college and uh, I joined our South Asian acapella group, Og. Uh, shout out to Og, you Chicago Og. Um, then, then I sort of thought, okay, like, you know, singing is something I'd like to kind of uh, work more at and, and develop more, um, but never sort of thought about you know, okay, will I, you know, go to the industry or something like that or, or apply for industry singing roles? I think it's, it was more like I want to try to self-produce and, and make my own songs. Oh, okay. So then it was kind of always a given that you were going to learn how to sing. Like it was always a given that you would take music lessons and be in that world. Yes and no. Yeah. I mean, I I did have some instrumental music lessons when I, when I was a kid. Um, like I played piano for like eight years or nine years. Uh, and then, you know, kind of took a big pause in high school. And, uh, that was, that was when I, I sort of put music out of my head. And then when I came back to college, I learned about music production and, uh, just sort of how to master tracks and, you know, mishmash things. So that's when I, you know, realized, okay, like music is pretty like a core fundamental part of my life. So I'm going to mm. kind of keep pursuing it until I see this thing through. Okay, so you didn't take um, Carnatic singing lessons then? I didn't take them in like a very structured way. I When I was like five or six, my grandmas would teach me or m make me sit down to give me some level of focus every week uh, for like an hour to learn some Carnatic songs, but never any formalized training. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So a lot of the more formal singing training actually came in college in your acapella group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think a lot of that was because of the repetition of practicing various arrangements, but also I did my own sort of independent kind of research on how to refine like vocal technique and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like a lot of, I mean, my th this this training is all like, I think, Western in, with, with South Asian influence as opposed to mm -hmm. actually being like formalized Carnatic or Hindustani music training. I definitely cannot do those crazy like alops <laughs> very well but mm -hmm. uh it's I, I i feel like the biggest thing i i sort of learned was just knowing what range i'm in and what i can do versus what i can't do because once you figure that out i feel like it's easier to you know tailor the music to your own voice as opposed to making your voice fit whatever song when did the interest from singing transition into like making remixes how did you figure out that that was your niche so 
one of the I, I, I guess it's a couple of influences so one, one of the kind of things I did do in high school that was um, just me messing around in GarageBand um, was I, I created some like electronic dance music tracks really just with the Apple loops uh, and like some keyboard instrumentation like the but... um the sounds that they have preloaded into garage band exactly nice. exactly yeah i had a fifth grade project where we had to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah those and those are like the most fun things ever because you just literally drag and drop stuff and you're like wow i just created my own song <laughs> yeah right and it's just like one minute it's like a drum beat and then the next minute it's a flute and you're like yeah this sounds great exactly yeah i um I, I wanted to do that, but in a more um, in a more structured way, I guess. In, in when I was like a senior, um, like I wanted to like throw things together and actually have them sound good, as opposed to when I was in fifth grade, I just did not know how to make anything. Yeah, no one wants um, to hear the track that I made. I I would like to hear it. I would like to hear it as the outro to this podcast. Okay, great. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I I did a couple of those. Then I, re- I realized, okay, GarageBand is something that I, I I can use, and like lo- similarly, Logic Pro, th- those those kinds of softwares, FL Studio, etc. Um, then I got to campus, and this is this is a pretty funny introduction to the way of remixing. But uh, our friend Deepon would make these like hour long mixes of Bollywood songs to play at parties, and he had uploaded a few to SoundCloud and I, I, I met deep on that January. So that was one of the first things I sort of uh, got to know about him. And so I listened to some of them and I was like, Oh, it's really cool the way he's able to transition these, these Bollywood tracks into one another so seamlessly. And then I thought, okay, is this, you know, this, this could be something I could try. So that winter and spring, I uh, was sort of just messing around with like Bollywood songs. And honestly, I wasn't making any mashups or anything or any remixes at all or chopping up any songs. I was literally putting them one after another to practice like transitioning between songs and that summer I sort of realized okay if I can do that then maybe I can also um you know chop up these songs and make mashups and this is where the singing portion comes in is because with Og a lot of uh what we kind of had to do was create arrangements of music um we didn't you know learn from sheet music or anything we learned from like vocal tracks and so one person was responsible for for like making all the vocal tracks um so it really always starts off with someone having an idea of two songs mashing up together and uh, i tried my hand at a couple of arrangements that year so i had some experience with like okay having an ear for for a couple songs that mash up together and then uh sort of figured okay if i can do that with singing why don't i try it with like the actual songs themselves and and adding production and stuff like that so um just sort of a combination of like learning familiarity with music production software and then uh familiarity with like you know the possibility of using it to make remixes and then like my experience arranging all of that came together to get me into this sort of niche that's so cool. So it kind of happened organically, like you were inspired by your friend who was just doing it to have a good party so that people aren't having those like dull moments on the dance floor exactly. when there's five seconds of silence to your acapella group. Exactly. Yeah. So Og always did like mashups. And as I feel like as our four years in college progressed, those mashups, there were more of them. So do you feel like it was do you think you were influencing the increase of the mashups or was it? them that influence you it's a good question i think um 
Og was in its infancy when I when I joined, and so there were only like a limited number of songs to begin with. But as we sort of all you know grew as a group, I think we were all like sort of experimenting with arranging new songs, and you know I gained more comfort. Uh, as well kind of doing it and I, I wanted to kind of create new arrangements so I did spend that summer of 2016 and the following summer like creating quite a few of them but I think that also translated to like other people you know kind of gaining familiarity with it, with it as well um, we did a couple of kind of boot camps even within AUG to learn how to kind of arrange and stuff like that so uh, it was just a sort of like collective inspiration or I guess collective effervescence or something like that 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 let let us all uh to making more of those kind of mashup-y arrangements. Um, symbiotic. Yeah. I don't know if that's the correct Very word. symbiotic. Symbiotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Biology. What inspired you to release your first track? What was the experience of putting your music out there publicly and putting it on SoundCloud? Yeah, I um I remember it was like 2016ish. And I think I already had a SoundCloud that I didn't really use that much. Um, and so my first couple of like tracks on SoundCloud, uh, which are now like since deleted, were just those like hour, 20 minute long. They're deleted? Like... Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be 100. They, they do, did not sound that good. They were not <laughs> <laughs> polished at all. I want the um, archives. I'll, I'll, d- I'll dig them up for you. I, I, I promise. Uh, they... They were just like those like 20 minute mashups designed to be played at parties. I wanted to put them out there because I knew that there was like a group of people that would like listen to it while studying or use it for parties and stuff like that. And I uh, just uploaded it and saw what happened. I didn't really market myself or anything. I just, you know, entered it on SoundCloud, put the relevant tags, Bollywood, hip hop, trap, etc. And just sort of waited and watched. Uh, And, you know, as expected, because I didn't do any promotion of any kind like it what didn't gain that much traction but i guess for me it was like okay i at least have you know th- this platform that i can use um for when i do get good at this and uh it just kind of you know was a good feeling to know that i can put stuff out there and it it didn't really bother me that much which is i think a huge hurdle i think for any uh one involved in any art it's just like how do i put myself out there and uh, open myself up to criticism Right. That first time releasing something or performing in front of people, it's really hard. And like if you get past it and you survive, it becomes easier each time. Yeah, exactly. But your first real like mixed track where you put two songs together is Feel So Close and Radha from Jub Harry Met Sejal, which is a bad movie, but beautiful music. (laughs) Yeah, such good music. So let's listen to a little bit of it. Feel so close to you right now. It's a force field. I wear my heart upon my sleeve like a big deal. This is the sort of first song I think I, I was I ever like did, and I was like, wow, I'm I'm like proud of this. Yeah, I love it. It's so good, and I feel like when I first heard your music, I was so amazed, and I was just like, how do you think? of these songs how do you realize that they go together i it's it's a process and you know the i think the less talked about side of it is that a lot of the time you think that something might sound good together and you really try to force it but it doesn't work so sometimes i mean it, it is a lot of thinking um i, I, I guess I'll, I'll i'll approach this two ways there's one kind of the way, way where i sit down and, and i think okay um i heard this song it sounds really good what uh other songs 
kind of match the key and the tempo and the kind of instrumentation and just kind of have a similar kind of timbre and quality to it that would make it like a good song to mash mesh up with um and then the other one the other ones uh other times are just like when i'm doing something completely random and then it just hits you so this was i think a, a case of the latter where i was literally just listening to feel so close and it just hit me like oh rada is like a popular song from this year it was it's, it's so great it would sound amazing with feel so close so i just got on my laptop did a little bit of chopping up of both the songs uh adjusted some of the kind of like reverb and, and relevant frequencies and mashed it up together and you know came out with a, a pretty uh pr good product if i do say so myself and I, I think uh it was the first time i think a lot of people heard a mashup and they were uh like okay, this this sounds really seamless, really smooth, and, and very catchy. Yeah, it is really it is really seamless and very catchy because both of those songs are songs that have been repeatedly stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think what also made it special was, like, um, there were points where I was, like, you know, I, I, I felt like I was, like, fitting a, a, a square peg into a round hole with a lot of these, like, songs and putting them together but the kind of the fact that it was so seamless and the fact that I, I i felt really uh comfortable putting the two songs together and that it felt like an almost entirely new song just gave me more inspiration to go forward because i think like at that point i was hitting a lot of walls with inspiration and so this was like a good breakthrough moment i think and at that point were you trying to make the music for any specific reason or was it just that you just wanted to try it out and put it out there and see what happens yeah, the latter. Um, I think that's that's generally still true today. I I just kind of do it because it's something I, I enjoy and it, it excites me, and uh, I like to put it out there. And if you know if people like to listen, then that makes me happy. Um, that's kind of the the broader purpose is just sort of my own personal fulfillment. And do you think that being trained as a singer and in piano has really helped you to listen out for that? Because I personally have very little music training other than like a couple years of choir. Um, so I would never have the ear for that. But do you think that helped you a lot? I think having musical training helps you um, listen out for patterns in, in, in melodies and in key that then lets you identify other songs or other pieces of music that would sound similar and that kind of aids the kind of remix process uh, and even aids like original music production as well, um, because you can then start like sampling different pieces of music and then combining them with your own original instrumentation. And yeah, I, I, I think that it, it, it definitely helps. Uh, but I also believe that uh, at some level, like everyone kind of has that, you know, fundamental visceral reaction to music. And that's something that is just a human quality. So it just if, if if you if you kind of like developed that through some some repetition of like listening to different kinds of music or like practicing different kinds of music anyone can get kind of get the capability to, to to recognize that pattern it's just a matter of like how do you refine that like visceral enjoyment of music that we all, all, already have yeah and lots of trial and error too like you mentioned right that sometimes you're trying to make something work and it just doesn't go together yeah exactly exactly trial that's and a, error a huge and part of it accidents <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure um, even with like acting and writing, you've hit those moments where it's like, 
I'm just trying to I'm trying so hard to make this work, but it's not coming together. So you it's have also having the rec- recognition to be like, I need to be patient. I need to step away for a little bit. Let me come back to this later. I don't know. Have you have you kind of had those moments? Oh, completely. I feel like I have tried to push ideas so far because I was excited by them at the beginning. And I <laughs> I don't like to abandon things too often. So I will keep trying to make it work and keep pushing at it. Um, or like try to come from it at different angles. But it's hard because like I feel like there's this idea that art is supposed to be easy and come naturally. And if you're good at it, then it's just something you're able to do. But I feel like it's not talked about that it is really learned. And it does take a lot of work and pushing. And as as much as we would all like for it to seem like, you know, you just have this writer's brain or this like music brain and it just like comes pouring out. It's so much there's so much that happens behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you sharing that like it's not we only see the best part of it. There's so much more, I'm sure, on your laptop that you're like, no, this is not going to see. No one's going to. We're not going to touch this Just one. A, a, a vast graveyard of GarageBand products, pro- projects that have been abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> and one question that I have is I've noticed, especially in a lot of your music, you gravitate a lot more to Hindi music than Tamil music. Why do you think that is? Is it just because more people are familiar with Hindi music, at least in our um, college community? Or is it just that like you feel that the, the beats in Hindi music go better with the Western music that you're trying to fuse together? It's a good point. I think especially in a lot of like the early to mid phase work, that was like pretty true. And I think a, a big reason for that is a combination of things. So like the first was like, I think as I went about it, I, I wanted a sort of mark, marketability aspect and there's just the kind of fact that more people listen to Hindi music. And so there were some mixes that I, I you know, fully admit that I, I think I like phoned in a little bit more than others and kind of did what felt like, you know, good sounding, but a little bit easier because, you know, it's like you take an already really popular Hindi hit song and you you mix it with like a, a popular English song that that's going to that's going to get plays. Um uh, that that's a part of it early on and then the another another part of it is like i think a lot of like my my western kind of component of of, of this music anchors to hip-hop and and it anchor, anchors to like um like r&b uh hits and stuff like that which i think go a bit better with hindi music because a lot of bollywood music is pulling from that so directly nowadays and so it's just sort of easier to conceptualize the mashups but it's definitely something I've tried to like really get away from, especially in the last like two years or so of of, of doing to Millionaire because I've noticed that, yeah, yeah. I just I just think that there is a lot that Tamil music and Telugu music uh, and even like other world music influences have to offer that I want uh, to kind of like showcase. And I really like that in your more recent albums in your trilogy, which we'll talk about more, that you did include some Tamil and Telugu songs. And actually, even though I speak Telugu, I have a really hard time um, telling the difference between Telugu and Tamil in songs. So I'm pretty sure this one is Tamil, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is that one Telugu or Tamil? That's Tamil. Okay, uh, yes. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty famous Tamil song released in the early two thousands called Vasigara. It's like a love song. I love it. My girlfriend Sahana loves it, and oh. I was just like, oh, let's let me let me use this this favorite song of ours and remix it. And I, I mixed it with like a like a 
an interpretation of like a Kid Cudi song, which was which is wild because you never you never really think like those two things would go together, but it somehow like fit to me. Yeah, and I loved it because for me that the thumbnail song feels really nostalgic because it reminds me of those love songs, like those really big love songs in Telugu movies that I used to watch when I was younger. But I don't actually know the songs. I just knew the feeling of the song. And so I really liked it because I feel like I personally listen to Hindi music and Bollywood music a lot more. And it was nice to get something that felt refreshing yet nostalgic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm glad it, I'm glad it made you feel that way. I think like, you know, p- part of it is also just, you know, evoking those kinds of emotional reactions in people. Not that not to say the original songs wouldn't do that, but uh, I like to just take different components of other songs and, and make them into entirely new ones. And you said the other song is a Kid Cudi interpretation. So is that something that you wrote yourself that's underneath? No. So I took I took a stem of a beat of a Kid Cudi song, looped it, and then I pitched it down and then adjusted like the reverberation gain and stuff like that to just make it feel way more like spacey and like ethereal. Because the original song is more like a, a, a straightforward sort of like trap song with like a with heavy hitting rap lyrics and stuff like that. I wanted to make it feel a little bit more like like airy and like ethereal or cosmic to use these very vague adjectives. It doesn't feel vague at all because as soon as you said it, I mean, I just don't have an ear for these things. So as soon as you said it, I was like, that is what it is. It is that ethereal sounding thing. I think I think you described it beautifully because now it like makes sense in my brain. So I think it's safe to say that Childish Gambino and Kendrick Lamar are really big influences in your music. So what is it about them that draws them to you? Is it the music itself? Is it something about their personality, their background? I'm so curious to know what it is. For sure. Definitely have a couple of influences, starting with with, with Childish Gambino. I really like the fact, just from a, from a background perspective, I think Donald Glover started creating music in a very similar way as I did, which is like messing around with GarageBand in his dorm room or like another software i can't remember which one but he would make remixes of like sufjan steven songs in his like dorm at nyu and then kind of that exploded into him like rapping his own lyrics over self-produced beats and then um you know he made this album which i recommend everyone check out called because the internet that's my favorite album uh since high like like it was my favorite album in high school and uh that's that's the one i just sort of kept you know coming back to and it really gave me an ear for like what you know experimental music production can sound like and what uh creative lyrics can sound like so i definitely have that uh, as a big influence kendrick every, i think i think most people know kendrick lamar's music um really talented lyricist it's really the it's really the lyricism and the storytelling that like uh, inspires me because I, I I've tried my hand at kind of writing my own rap lyrics and and verses and you know some of that might come out later this year I have a couple couple of things in the works there that was gonna but, be my um, that was gonna be one of my questions is would you ever sing and rap on your own songs because as as of now it's mostly or all other people's m- music originally that you've adjusted in some way. And the only time we hear your voice is like in snippets at the beginning when you put in little like dialogue clips of you. And I think one of them is Ashwin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I, I, because I know you and I know you have an incredible singing voice. Anyone who's wondering, Anirudh has the voice of an angel. So I want to hear your voice on it. And yeah, what, are are we going to see that? Yeah, I, it's, it, to me, to me, it's sort of the next step from here. And it's what I want to sort of like focus on this year and next year not that i'll completely give up like making remixes and stuff like that but i I have a couple of sort of songs that i've written 
in, in like a Google Docs, and so I want to put my voice to the microphone and uh, just you know record them. I, I I have recorded one recently, and I'm I was pretty happy with the way it turned out. Just need to figure out some some kinks in terms of like the actual production of the vocals and stuff like that. But uh, I definitely feel kind of good about it moving forward. There there are a couple of covers that are on my SoundCloud I did of like Thummel songs that I really like, um, which is just me experimenting and doing it for fun. And uh, yeah, I also have sort of an album on there of just originally produced electronic music, uh, which is, again, just a product of like experimentation, wanted to kind of see if I could do it. But now that I've kind of proven it to myself, I feel like this is where I want to take things going forward. So whether that comes out in the form of like a single or like a, a small like EP of tracks, we will see. But yeah, I just I just want to be able to make meaningful music. So very much following in the footsteps of Childish Gambino in terms of the trajectory from remixes to (laughs) putting your own voice on there. One can only hope. So when you're um, mixing music together, are you also considering like the content of the lyrics as well? Or are you mainly focusing on the key and the reverberation, if I do say so myself? Or are you also thinking about, okay, so in this song, they're talking about this and evoking this emotion and similarly in this other song. That is something I've more recently been trying to like put more thought into uh, and be more careful about. I, I think like to start off with, I just wanted to like combine whatever sounded parallel, I guess, which means that I have some like mashups that are pretty old. And I think they're like on, on another profile I have on like audiomac.com because of SoundCloud copyright stuff. Um, they they have like really weird lyrical combinations. Like one I can think of is like there's this Hindi song that is literally it's called ABCD. It's from some movie and it's just like a party song about drinking and like but but then the metaphor is just the the alphabet and then that is combined with the dj got us fallen in love again by usher the lyrics just make no sense when they're like combined together like the hindi part and the english part but the vibes of the songs are like the same they're just like party party songs that is something that you know if somebody somebody listened to it looking for like lyrical continuity they would just be sorely disappointed but more recently especially like this year with the trilogy and particularly the third one i i've been way more conscious about like what I, what exactly i want to like put on uh the same track you know especially with the third release uh of of last year in the trilogy i wanted to um basically tell a tell a sort of narrative arc in seven songs uh using those lyrical snippets which is why uh on i think almost every track uh of that project you hear arjit singh's voice and you also hear like donald glover's voice because they sort of represent two sides of a of the main character of the story that was going to be one of my questions what was the inspiration behind the trilogy why a trilogy why exactly seven songs in each album where did the inspiration come from i think like as many creative pursuits have been inspired in 2020 the pandemic had a lot to do with it i had taken sort of like an informal hiatus from making music uh after after graduation, just because I wanted to figure life out and, you know, focus on work for a little bit, get accustomed to things. But once I was in a good place there, um, came back home for the duration of the pandemic. Af- after the first month or two, it was it, we were starting starting to get into that critical mass of boredom, right? Everyone was just getting a little stir crazy. So I was like, okay, now is as good as time as any to get back into remixing things. At the same time, I was also like 
really listening to a lot of Arabic music, specifically from Egypt and from from Syria and a couple of like Saudi Arabian songs as well. I was really into the the variety of genres within Arabic pop music, and I I, I drew heavy inspiration from that. And I was like, look, what if, I want to kind of try and and see if I can find some universality here and combine this with with Hindi music, with Latin music, with American pop music and stuff like that. So that's the really, really the inspiration for the first album in the tr- trilogy, which is just devowelization of my name. <laughs> so TMLNR. <laughs> so I, I, I made seven songs and I was like, these seven are some of the most creatively inspired songs that I've, I've done in my own opinion uh, in, in a while. So I just kind of put them out in, a, in an easily digestible like seven song album. Because I feel like 20 minutes is enough for a person to maybe listen to it while they're on a run or like while they're on a drive. So I wanted to make it just a very accessible, easily digestible project. I was really only in- intending to put out one, but then I marketed it a bit, sent it to some co- like friends that I have within the South Asian American DJ circuit. They they liked it and it was a good way to con- for me to continue fostering that creative spirit so then i just kept making more music this time i really wanted to focus on the actual like quality of instrumentation so like really just combining a bunch of different instrumentals and playing around with the the eq playing around with the the reverberation playing around with like the timbre and like various intangible things about the tracks that you can adjust in GarageBand to just make it sound very crisp and clear and that's what ended up on on to millionaire 2 some of the kind of cleanest crispest remixes and also one that was like very carnotically inspired i wanted to sort of bring bring that kind of aspect of my childhood and my background with me and and say hey can this be remixed and i think i found a way to do it justice while also com- making it making it a little bit more modern the the last element of the the trilogy to millennia three that was sort of stemming out of like i was kind of in like a a a funk towards the end of last year i think just with you know winter approaching and like it being the end of the year and the pandemic kind of dragging on so still dragging on yes still dragging on I, i wanted to kind of sit down and put my feelings out through this remix medium and so I designed a vague story about a like sort of protagonist that um, starts off as a very like kind of a lonely person, but then through the course of that like seven track project, understands the kind of meaning of connection through a through a relationship, but then the relationship goes sour in the middle of the album, and then he kind of indulges in very like hedonistic ways to cope, so like clubbing and drinking and stuff like that, and and then at the end kind of like sobers up and realizes that none of that is going to bring him happiness that is that's that's why the the lyrical choices and the combinations of songs on the third project are very intentional and why the quality of the sound quality of the entire album is like vastly more like depressing and more melancholy than the other two but it, it it's my favorite one because it's like the first time i thought about okay like how can i take the word literal words of other people and make it my own voice Okay, I was just looking at the titles of the tracks again to tra- sort of track that um, narrative that you just mentioned. And I see that. Okay, so Flashing Anklets is sort of when that like clubbing phase is happening. Exactly. I mean, granted, I, I, will, I will say that the titles of the tracks are the English interpretations of the, of the uh, Indian music that's used throughout. Uh, as well as the other songs, but I tried to vaguely convey the narrative with them. But yeah, that one is like Gunguru, 
very popular Hindi song, supposed to be very happy. I tried to flip it into a very like sad club song. If you hear it, it's like definitely something that would be playing at a club, but you just there's this like sense of like sadness or melancholy that creeps yeah. under it, which prevents you from fully enjoying it as a danceable song. Yes. Wait, let's listen to it. Hearing that now, like, Gunguru in its original form is super upbeat, the most danceable song, and you get that feeling from it, but then, like, the flashing lights part is so melancholy and has this, like, very complex nature to it. It's so cool to talk to you about it because I've listened to it, and I like it, and, I, and I'm like, oh, I love this song, and I love this song, and I love seeing how they go together, but it's so cool to hear exactly what's in your head and what you want to come out when you listen to it. I, I really appreciate that. Fundamentally, though, you know, while this is all stuff that I, like, try to bring out from the conceptualizations I have in my head, I think the most important thing for any listener is just, like, make sure that you experience that raw, visceral reaction of the music and you don't sort of pass that over, you know, that 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 rush that you have when you listen to a new song and just like enjoy it got it so you want your vision to be there but not push it so hard that that you lose what's exciting about the song exactly right right and if you find i think if people find their own meaning in any song that is totally valid because you, you definitely don't have to like subscribe to like a, a very narrow interpretation of sort of anything M- musically especially when it, music is a medium i think that does lend itself quite well to multiple interpretations and you mentioned so for the third album in the trilogy you had a very specific narrative arc that this these seven songs were following what was the shape you were trying to go for with the first and second one because i feel like all albums do have a shape of some sort and even if they weren't that specific narrative that you were going for in the third one, what kind of emotional arc were you hoping to see with the first and second one? Yeah, yeah. You're talking about like in the trilogy, the first two projects? Yeah. I think in terms of the overall vibe, the first one was just like stuff to dance to over the summer. Not that we could go out anywhere and do that, but at home. Basically making you feel like there is still a party going on, even if we're all cooped up at home. The second one right. is, I think it was just me more being like, let me see how weird I can get with To Millionaire by bringing in like really esoteric uh, and like less listened to artists on on these tracks. Things that people would not otherwise listen to, just making those like, highlighted on the album such that, you know, all the influences feel very natural. And I know I'm talking in like very vague terms, but I guess an example of that, there is a song on there. I don't think I remember the name of it, but it's just this really crazy Latin inspired trap song uh from this artist from argentina no no from venezuela and that is combined with like some like a punjabi song and, and so is it like ke- that's lo- the kind of ke- lo- ke? yeah 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 that one that one that one it, how do you it say was, it? um ke- lo- ke. it's like a it's like a common greeting in venezuela it's the original oh. name of the song so i wanted to sort of 
get very experimental with it. So experimental is just the vibe of the second one. And you said that when you made the first album, you weren't intending for it to be a trilogy. So why did you decide to make it a trilogy versus three separate albums? Yeah, that's it's a good point. Because I guess, you know, by, by titling it uh, to Millionaire, it's just sort of, it, there's an inherent linkage there. So that definitely can't be ignored. I think with to Millionaire 2, I wanted to link it to the first one because I think just like format wise, it will be what people kind of are familiar with. The seven bite-sized songs, one very easily digestible project, but like covering like an array of influences. So I think that's the sort of MO of to Millionaire as a trilogy. Think easily digestible 20 to 30 minute projects that showcase like a variety of influences and just have a very eclectic nature to them. And then the third one uh, still falls within that MO, but it's the only one kind of that departs in terms of tone and in terms of being a very intentional structure. Yeah. What do you think, in addition to the name and the inspiration of the pandemic, what are other through lines between the three albums? Asking some some hard-hitting questions here, Porva. I love it. In terms of what I was going for, just being very experimental, and I guess this works sort of in the context of the stuff I've done previously, which has very much been, let me take what's on the top 20 in the US charts, and then what's on the top like 20 in the Hindi charts, and uh, kind of mishmash and see which ones work well together. And, and you know, hopefully, those will get used by fusion teams and stuff like that. This is very much the opposite of that. This is the, This is like, I want people to start seeing remixes as less of like, things that are meant to be danced to in a very like formalized way made for like the the fusion circuit or something like that and more as a medium of creating new songs out of what's already in existence and really just getting people to appreciate the value of sampling and the value of combining musical ideas from very varying influences and i really like what you said that in the past you were sort of going for what was going to be popular for other people and taking two hits to make a bigger hit and this time it was very much for, it was much more for you. It was more like, this is what I like to listen to. And this is where I want to see these two different types or four different types, sometimes four different types of music come together. And I do feel like it's much more like your personality comes through in these three albums. And that really connects them. And as much as I love the early stuff of combining two of my favorite songs that came out in 2019, it's really cool to see something that feels really unique that only you could make. Yeah, and I, I think that this is definitely something every person who makes art goes through. But there was a point I was getting to, I want to say like 2018, 2019-ish, where I was doing it, but it didn't. It never felt like natural. It was always, it always felt a little forced, and that's why I was like, like, let me take a break because at, at a certain point, if you're if you're not enjoying the stuff that you're creating and you're kind of doing it just to sort of maintain your engagement with your with your SoundCloud, I think at that point I was just trying to just like tailor to what I thought people would like versus what I wanted to make and so once I realized what I wanted to make it just became fun again right and I think no matter what the type of art everyone goes through that where you're trying to go after something that you feel like people are gonna like but at the end of the day it's really in order to keep going with it you have to make what you like and what you want to watch and eventually, I feel like for me personally with writing, when people see how much you care about something and how passionate you are about it, it's hard not to love. 
Exactly. I feel like right. I, yeah. I feel like I felt that way when I took classes with PhD students. They would always be on really obscure, specific topics that I didn't think I wanted to learn about. But just seeing how much they cared about it and how much of their soul they poured into like maps of Imperial China was so exciting to see. It ignites the passion within you about anything, really. Yeah. And I also feel like it's just easier to stand behind it because no matter what, it's going to get criticism. People are going to love it, but it's also going to get criticism. And it's just so much easier to stand behind something and know that it's going to get criticism when you truly love it. And then there's also just no regrets about like, could I have made this better? Could I have done something differently? At at the end of the day, I I did what I thought sounded the best. And, you know, uh, if people like it, they definitely are welcome to and if people don't like it then that's okay maybe not maybe it's not their cup of tea but at least they gave it a shot and you mentioned that you have a core group of listeners so beyond your social media page and your soundcloud and of course having your friends and family and people who support you listen to this music how do you go about getting more people to listen to it how do you go about distributing it because it has like i mean some of the tracks have like thousands of plays how did you yeah how do you get people to come to your page and listen to your music some of it is like you know, promotion through the through the Instagram, which uh, admittedly, just because I'm not that active on social media, that Instagram is also not the most active, but it, it's, it's sort of I try to tailor it to be active when it needs to be. At some point, I need to definitely separate out my artistic endeavors with the actual business of gaining followers. So that's that's an entirely separate <laughs> rabbit hole. We can go down another time. I, I, I messaged these links to people i know in this like broader south asian american fusion group of like music producers that make kind of similar types of remixes and songs to get feedback from them but also just to see if you know they'll be interested in sharing it and stuff like that and some of a lot of it really is organic i mean there was like i i woke up I'm not kidding you. I woke up one day, like late 2019, to find two of my songs. I think probably the ones that you're referencing just suddenly had like something in the high tens of thousands of view of listens. And I was like, oh, okay. Buddhusaman mixed with Sky Full of Stars has 30K listens. Yes. Yeah. I. I was very, and it was, it surprised me because I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally put those songs in my like top five that I've ever done. But I think because those are sort of like anchor songs that got me a lot of subscriptions as well uh or or followers um slash people who kind of repeatedly listen and so that is a nice sort of anchor to like put out my new content and that's helped the sort of listens flow through for anything new that i've I've put in i want to go back to a previous topic which we touched on is who the artists that you take inspiration from and specifically we talked about childish gambino and kendrick lamar And also, you know, coupled with the questions of criticism, I'm wondering for you, where do you think that line is between appropriation and appreciation? Because I think that's something that comes up a lot when artists who are not black use hip hop or rap or R&B. How do you approach that? Because from listening to you and knowing you for a long time, I know how much you care about these artists and appreciate them and want to elevate their music. But how would you respond to a criticism of someone who said, you know, Ani, you don't get to use this music. The appropriation versus appreciation debate is definitely one that I think has gone on for a very long time. And I think even dictionary definitions of appropriation are not entirely reflective of what can be considered appropriation now. For me, I think given sort of my early tracks, 
and an early kind of usage of a lot of songs. I, I'd say I was fairly indiscriminate in the way I was like pulling from various artists and no doubt probably used some songs where like the, the, the meaning of the song was like entirely different from the purpose of the mashup, which is, you know, for, at that time it was just for people to have a good time really. So I think there has been like gr growth there because like initially I definitely didn't understand that like there, there are certain pieces of music that, you know, probably shouldn't shouldn't be repurposed for like you know a party atmosphere or like a having a good time atmosphere and so now i guess my my take on it is i will use influences based on the philosophy that i want to elevate them and not kind of use their sound to make monetary gain or just like gain cloud or whatever i have a, a mashup which is a mashup of a persian song and an arabic song and I, I did that mashup because I really like both songs and I found that they both went really well together and I wanted to sort of see if mashing them up would take them to the next level and and, and kind of create an, a very, an entirely new but kind of faithful to both genres of music interpretation of those songs. So I, 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 I really enjoyed making that. Definitely in my, in my usage of hip hop, I think I'm a bit more careful now about like which songs I'm using, really trying to understand like the meaning of the original song before like putting it in a in a party track or whatever. It i.e. for instance, if like Jay-Z and Kanye West have a song that is kind of them stunting and partying, I think, you know, I found that it's probably appropriate to put on like a partying and stunting song. But I'm not gonna like use Kendrick Lamar's The Black or the Berry, which is about you know police brutality and gang violence and i'm not going to use that on like <laughs> on like any of my projects uh because it, it has an entirely different purpose so right. i think that distinction is so important so i think the the short answer of that long ramble is basically like i try to understand the context of the original songs and uh you know put them onto onto a track with songs of a similar vibe that will elevate them as opposed to using them to just get likes or views. I've, I think that's a really important distinction. I really like what you said about what the artist intended with the song in its original context and in some ways preserving that context. Along the lines of that question, are there any rules about copyright rules that bar you from using certain music or how are you able to take that music and then put it online? Yeah, it depends on the artist's and the record labels and this is this is also like where you get into things about, about like fair use versus versus not fair use because that's a very hazy subject there are definitely certain artists where if you just take the song and like re-upload it that's just you gaining money off of the original song i circumvent that by you know obviously crediting any source of like sample i use but you know, increasingly, my, my, my music is not just taking two songs and mashing them up together and making a new one. It's sort of like sampling various snippets of songs and stuff like that. So I really am trying to adhere to the philosophy of making a new song with the stems of, of kind of other songs. It does run into copyright violations because some record record labels are more aggressive about calling those out than others are. But, you know, in this kind of vast landscape of SoundCloud remixes, I think there's a there's an understanding that remixes should and probably mostly do fall under fair use my take on it is like if we're crediting kind of the various sources that we're using especially you know i'm not i'm not making any money off of this i'm not like trying to sort of monetize this in any way it's not my goal at all and i think that is probably fair game if that makes sense versus like you know if i were making remixes of like a song 
and then uploading them for money, I would, I, I could definitely see how that runs into a lot of copyright issues. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that distinction between how that works and the, and the idea of fair use and not fair use. I appreciate you explaining that. And you mentioned that it is not your goal to make money off of these songs. But I'm curious. So you work a full-time job and not just any full-time job, not even 40 hours a week. You work many, many hours a week as a consultant. So how do you make time for your music? I am constantly amazed because I feel like most of us, ordinary folk, we have 12 hours in our day and Anirudh has 36 hours. So how do you make time for this? I just, I'm constantly amazed because not only are you making music, you're also taking classes about the Middle East. You're always helping your friends with their creative endeavors. You have your own podcast. Share your ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, admittedly, some of some of the things kind of come and go, like the classes I kind of did when I was freer relatively at work. And podcast hasn't been up for a while, but thinking of getting it, getting it going again. It's called We Live in a Society if people are interested in it. I, I try to use my weekends as effectively as possible. Don't get me wrong, there are a lot of weekends uh, where I, I will just sit in my couch all day on, on a Sunday and watch football. I, I try, especially in like on a Saturday evening, I, that, that's usually when I sort of get into a zone of like, okay, let me see what I can do music-wise and see if any of it will yield fruit. During the week, I think I'm kind of too burned out to pursue anything creatively, but usually Friday and Saturday nights are like my kind of best time to play around do some new music stuff and yeah see what see what plays over time over the course of five weeks that'll result in at least six or seven songs and then from there it's a matter of polishing them refining them playing with the eq just making sure it sounds all right and then it's, it's good to go for release wow that's amazing you work so fast that's like a that's like a song every week and a half all it takes especially you know when admittedly you're not the one like writing the notes from scratch but rather taking like different stems of of other songs all it takes is a kind of having a broad idea of like the the one or two songs you want to be your base and then layering stuff on top of it hey don't discount yourself it is super impressive (laughs) and the discipline that you show to creating your music is just so impressive because i know how tiring your job is i know how burnt out that can feel so props to you if you need if you're trying to make a side hustle you need to take on your example because it's truly amazing to watch. I appreciate that, Aporva. Yeah, I, I'm constantly just like, where does this man get the time? I don't know. You've always been like that, though. So it's it's just crazy. Like, I thought I was a productive person. <laughs> so on that same line, so right now you are working a full-time job and making music on the side. Do you see those two flipping? Is there a path to turning the hobby into the career? That's a that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my 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 response. If you know somebody asked me that like icebreaker question of like, what would you do if you had like an endless supply of money? Obviously, beyond charitable causes, would it just kind of invest in myself and this hobby? I think that it's something that I will keep working towards as a side hobby because I genuinely find creative fulfillment in making all kinds of music and if something kind of is fortunate enough to happen if, if i'm fortunate enough to have something happen like a sound like a like an original song gets really popular or like somebody at a record label or a producer like just catches wind of it then yeah i'll definitely not limit myself and would explore that option of you know going into music production full time and seeing 
what that what what that could look like but i i, I think definitely a way a ways to get there so right now i'm pretty content with uh with, with my side hobby but yeah I will, I will never say never yeah you said that you're part of a a group of south asian artists and djs who make this kind of music have you seen any of them switch from having it be a side hobby into a full career and what did their path look like and is that something that you could emulate yeah well i think the closest example is like you know one of the one of the OGs, Doctor Shremix, is pretty well known amongst a lot of South Asian Americans. He actually does still have a full time job. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I know I know he does. That could have that could have changed in recent times, wow. but last last I know of, he does. I know he studied like biochem or something in the biology space, so maybe something related to that. The man is a beast. He has grown his like side hustle from pretty much where i'm at right now to performing live i mean he came to you chicago for our uh, yeah for our sasa formal to pre- and you know, let me say with... people were fangirling oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> he has a niche audience but they love him oh yeah he's he's got some devoted fans <laughs> he's got some devoted fans no um he the way that he's been able to like make time to record professionally with other djs and upload stuff to, to to spotify and apple music and just to have a legitimate music career basically on top of having his like other job that's incredible to me and i it's it's something that i it's a template that i i would want to follow i think if especially as i go on to sort of make my own more original music with lyricism and self-production and stuff like that other examples include like vigo who's a who's another pretty popular dj on the circuit also working full-time but you know he's gotten to the level where he pre-pandemic was performing a lot and putting out some really really popular remixes so uh i think especially because of the internet it's a callback <laughs> we're, we're able to we're able to multitask in this way and we're able to have access to this dig- massive digital audience that's able to get you to that career level without too much incremental effort from your full-time job i think wow yeah i didn't even know that about those people that's crazy i mean it was already crazy with you that's really really impressive i wonder how their employers feel if they're like performing live until 2 a.m on a wednesday and then have to be at work at 9 a.m on thursday (laughs) because i mean that's the thing with these with music with improv like stand up you have to be awake at the most ridiculous hours of the night in order to make that the side hustle possible if i were an employer i would like i would pay them or, or expense them for it because the PR that like you would get for having that person as part of your like company is nuts. But then you'd be branded as the company where people can work and have a side hustle at the same time. I'll put it this way. I don't think Facebook, for instance, would be mad at Calvin Harris if like he were an employee there, but performing in Ibiza on like a Monday night and then flying over the next day. I think they would be like, yeah, that's our that's our Calvin Harris. You think so? Huh. Okay. Okay. Although no, F- Facebook is a very morally bankrupt company, so we will <laughs> maybe use another example. How do you see South Asian music evolving in the West overall? Do you feel like there's a big trend towards the kind of music you're doing or what are, what else do you see like South Asian American artists doing with their music? A lot of things. I think because we have a very growing and increasingly diverse diaspora of people from the subcontinent we have a lot of those passions and influences being brought here and it's it's 
it's basically increasing a lot. I mean, from Carnotic music, for example, there's massive like the Agaraja Carnotic Festival in Cleveland, Ohio, every year, where you know you should, they showcase a multitude of of talents from the Carnotic space, all from within the U.S. To uh, South Asian artists that have that have made it pretty big, not only within the states but also in India. Like Sid Sriram is a is a person that was born in the Bay Area, born and brought up in California went to college here and now he works as a playback singer full-time in India and uh, you know is you know frequent collaborator with ARM on he really kind of pursued the singing path to its fullest extent and is, is now there but he also makes like original uh, like western inspired English music so Sitriram is truly like an independent artist but also a playback singer so he he's I think a, a very well-known example and then there are also South Asian artists within the united states permeating a lot of corners like within hip-hop for instance there was a group pretty popular back in the early 2010s called das racist with a south asian rapper by the name of himanshu suri who you know since then is is not rapping as much anymore but he's put out a couple of albums that have had good amount of success i mean he's he's collaborated with childish gambino with other famous artists like i think chance the rapper Killer Mike LP. There are a lot of those types of artists coming up, and then also, I mean, out of Canada, there are a few like pretty well-known South Asian R&B artists like Nav, and there's a this dude named Rajan who's like kind of kind of up and coming. I think across all formats, both the traditional and the Westernized, both the fusion kind of genre of music and isolated kind of original kind of production style of music, South Asian artists are you know, increasingly permeating the space and and with it, you know, bringing a lot of their background and, and influence with them. That's really cool. I really appreciate that you gave examples of both people who were born and raised in the U.S. and then have made a career in India and then people here who are trying to like bring those two influences together. And I mean, I would love to see like a pop South Asian American singer who also sings in other languages and like brings in those kind of those like nostalgic feelings that you get when you watch an old Telugu movie or old Hindi movie. I want that. I want to, I want to see that in your next album when you're singing on it, (laughs) not to tell you what to do. No, I mean, I will, I will be bringing the heat. Don't you worry, my friend. Yeah. I'm so excited. When can we expect to see this new album? Life is unpredictable. So I don't want to anchor to a date, but maybe around like later end of this year, somewhere in the fall, ish time frame is is what i'm thinking yeah a lot of things to figure out before then but that's what i'm hoping for cool awesome before you go is there anything you want to plug anything we can shout out you know it would mean a lot if you if you listen to my latest three projects the to millionaire trilogy cumulatively it's it's about an hour so if, if you're like on a long drive pop it in the car see tell me what you think other than that you know if you want to go follow my SoundCloud to Millionaire Seventeen, that would be much appreciated. Hope, hopefully, you get some sort of enjoyment out of at least one of the remixes that I've done. Listen to the trilogy; it is so much fun, especially if if you have no experience before with Bollywood or Tamil music or anything. I think it's such a great way to get introduced to it because it's coupled with something that feels familiar. And if you are already familiar with it, it's even better because it's just like all of these amazing memories and it's so fun to listen to. I just wanted to applaud you again on the trilogy because it was, it's just so good. It's so much fun to listen to. And I haven't felt that many different emotions when listening to music in a long time. I really appreciate that, Vorva. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anirudh, for coming on the podcast. Everyone, look out for The Millionaire and a new album at the end of this year.
Fingers crossed. And look out for the brown breakdown because this is this is going to be big. You're popping off. Thanks, Ani. And that was the Brown Breakdown. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope Onyurid's story or the Millionaire's story is helpful to you, especially if you have a hobby that you're trying to turn into a career. If you or anyone you know would like to be on the podcast, you can reach out to us at Brown Breakdown on Instagram. We'll see you next time.